Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. This is the second part of a two-part episode on empowerment and evolution. In this episode, we dive into the evolution part of the discussion. What does evolution mean for us personally, socially? Is survival of the fittest the most accurate way of describing those beings whom are most fit to survive? We try and shed light on what it means to evolve. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want for. you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. So, evolution. Yeah, there should be like a sound effect there that we don't have. You know, like a big, big trumpet blare or something. Uh, I mean, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll put in a little sound effect on the... Uh, in that little thing, thing there. there. Yeah. 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 So, a nice, like, big gong... Yeah, so I I was really I was listening to this, uh, I think Terrence McKenna gave a talk on you know psychedelics, but actually it ended with this idea of evolution, which kind of like the rest of the talk was okay. This part was very very good, um, and so we're discuss you know we've kind of discussed now helping oneself, improving oneself through body, mind, actions, various ways of doing it, teachers, media, ex, you know, your, your own life experience as, as really kind of like, I would say a birthright of, of all beings in general are looking to, to grow in some way, shape or another as a, as a species, right? It's not just human beings. It's all, it's all species that are, that are doing this. And that like evolution is almost like a, an, an, act of of will if you will and you know one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk to was like will versus fate but we'll, we'll kind of shelve that for now i think it's a large discussion that i don't want to just squeeze in here um but that evolution is occurring and evolution and in, in it's but like what what does that mean by evolution so one of the things i think that gets misunderstood very readily is kind of two aspects of evolution one is that evolution you know, they call it survival of the fittest, right? That that's this idea that in nature, the most fit and what we decide have decided in this culture have decided as the most fit is the strongest or the apex predator, right? This is the most fit and it's going to do one thing, take what it needs and not ask questions and not give back, right? That's the assumption. And then we, we, we have moved that towards Social Darwinism, right? Survival of the fittest in business. Well, there are, you know, and this is like the, the, the capitalistic market is, is based upon this, or at least how we view it now. The most fit will, will survive, meaning, oh, that business is not very good. It's going to fall by the wayside, and that's the end of that business. So, strongest survive. I'm going to get my promotion. You're going to be living on the street. Forget you and your family and everybody else who you need. I need a promotion. And that's number one, you know? And that actually, this is false. This is a false view of, of evolution. 
And evolution, actually, real evolution, is not surviving at the cost of your environment, but becoming indispensable to it, making your value unlimited, right? And you kind of embrace the interconnectivity between you and, and everything around you so that losing you is detrimental to the system. Now, and that's not from an egoic perspective to say like, oh, look at me, I'm so important. The everything world will crash without me. You know, <laughs> the, whole, the whole political party will crash without me. <clears throat> we know someone like that. Um, you know, but this, but in, in a larger sense that like you're ingrained in the kind of like the matrix all around you in, in, in such a way that like how you give and, and what you get are almost one of the same thing. And, and with the examples, I think on, on each side, one is like, we have the idea of the lion, right? And this is, this is a, a, unfortunately, I think a, a, a plague that's kind of upon our, our society right now. It's like, I want to get as much as I can for as little as possible. And so we see the lion who's basically always viewed as doing one of two things, hunting or laying down. Like, that's it. <laughs> How do they stay so ripped? How does their hair look so good? You know, like they're always well put together. I want to be the beautiful lion and eat donkeys or whatever. And on one end, right, as that's like, oh, this is the apex predator. But then on the other end, actually, what is more fit than a lion by magnitudes of, of millions? Bacteria. Bacteria are far more fit. And actually, you and I, even having this conversation, are far more bacteria than we are whoever we are, you know? And so, but that idea doesn't ever get brought up. It's always, I'm going to take and I'm going to do so, so that I can get for mine. And this idea kind of pulling everything together of evolution actually is not to extract, but then to, to it's actually to give. And by helping yourself and improving oneself through, you know, the mind, becoming more getting into the flow state more easily being able to tackle problems through creativity and focus and being there and having your body be able to be more supple and, and be more resilient and having your actions be intentional you can thereby be far more evolved in the sense that we're using it because you're more indispensable and interconnected with your own people surroundings and then to yourself yeah this is kind of a funny one for me personally you know again we like to do the personal route and i know that I think even when I was a teenager, it's the right phrase to have a bug up one's ass about something. This mm. theory drove me fucking crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> because the way I looked at like Darwinism being talked about, and it was never like, I don't believe in evolution or, you know, like I never had anything like that going on. It was more just like the way this theory is talked about makes me crazy because you could see it really justifies a certain kind of like, lauding and promoting of the uber aggressive person who just wants to trample everything in their path you know i think in the tantric image when they talk about living life like a lion they're not talking about like you just crush everything around you and eat all the donkeys which i don't <laughs> think lions eat donkeys i mean i held off i didn't want to interrupt your flow but i don't think donkey is the natural is the natural prey of the lion on the, <laughs> on the savannah in africa all the nature shows where the poor donkeys well you know I, by the lion yeah, I, okay. I was i was gonna say i'm not a biologist but technically that's not true i have a bs in biology so i can't even say that well that was the bs part <laughs> <laughs> the donkey the poor donkey the poor donkey uh, <laughs> and now we observe the donkey in its natural habitat <laughs> and lo appears the predator um <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, the vicious lion, natural foe of the donkey. <laughs> Don Quixote. <laughs> That's right. I don't remember the guy like attacked by a lion. He's just trying to get to the windmill. Um, uh, that's great, man. So, uh, okay. In any case, so that but that drove me up the wall. The social Darwinism thing, and you know, it's a funny thing because that phrase people don't use it, and I'm glad that you did. I think it kind of died off a little bit because because it's almost too honest on some level, and so I think it kind of died off because not because it isn't true, but because people stopped using it. Mm-hmm. And I got to be really kind of interested in. I made my, you know, you you find your way back to ideas like uh, you and I were both raised Catholic, and you find your way back to the parts of Christianity that you feel good with, even when you're not maybe Catholic anymore. You know, sure. it means something sure. to find your way to relate to things. And I think the thing with the with the evolutionary theory, what helped me a lot was just looking at the truth of that, which is what you're saying, which is that it's not that the most uber aggressive approach that tries to like, you know, run over everything in its path is like the way to survival, even in an evolutionary way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had to think really deep about this because as far as I understand it, when you go back to what human cultures were like way back, the forager cultures, they didn't tolerate that kind of behavior. If you wanted to be the, the Uber person who was going to dominate everyone in the whole clan, they just kick you out and they would say, Hey, let's see how that works for you. You can face the donkeys and the lions now <laughs> on your own without our help. Cause you're an asshole. You know, there <laughs> was ass. like a part of your ass. <laughs> yes. And now you could be the prey of the lion. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like a, the cyber to saber tooth tiger or whatever on you know, the Flintstones. You know, mm-hmm. It was like, it wasn't that hierarchical of a thing. And that was really kind of a mind blower to me. There's a whole part of evolutionary thought that looks at human beings particularly and says, you know, in a lot of traditional cultural settings that, you know, people didn't have to be that way. You don't have to be that. And that wasn't how the species necessarily evolved to promote that kind of aggressive behavior because you had to work with other people within the group and learn how to be a cooperative and supportive person to others, right? It wasn't just this idea that you were trying to like climb on everyone else around you and it wasn't tolerated. There's kind of an amazing story um, uh, there's the French philosopher uh, Montaigne, and he uh, tells this anecdote, I guess, in part of his work where they brought in people from, it must have been like in the Amazon or something, you know, into Europe, and they were showing them European life. And I, you know, it's that typical thing. I think they thought they would be all impressed with everything. H- and, hashtag Euro life. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they weren't. You know, these people from the Amazon, they were just kind of like looking around, like kind of like with these horrified expressions. (laughs) And in the end, they were like, well, like, what's up? What's, you know, what's bothering you? And they said, well, why is it that this person has all the resources? And they didn't use the word resources, but they have all the money. They have everything. These other people are starving in the street. Like, what the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. And they even asked the question, like, why don't you all just go and break into that place where that person's hoarding everything like an ass? And like, just take all that shit and spread it around everyone. Like, mm-hmm. are you people crazy? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they put them on the boat and send it back to the Amazon, you know, because <clears throat> they weren't going to be able to integrate into this thing. And I, that was very, that whole thing was very telling to me. And it, like, it did change the way I thought about this whole idea of evolution. But, but I do think that if you want to say the meme is out there, that people have this feeling like it's even in nature itself, mm. that nature, like, 
promotes and you know uh, lauds, and is in a certain sense, I guess, trying to create these hierarchical systems where someone's on the top and they're just vacuuming everything up. That people like they try to present that as normal. And I but suppose it, a suspicious person would look around and say, that seems like that's a convenient message for certain people. Correct. Yeah. It isn't because the things that are vacuum everything up are giving nothing back and therefore will burn out their environment. As far as like American culture, I know we have listeners from other countries, but in America there, I can't remember who published the story, but it's starting to come out now. Like, wait a minute, trickle, trickle down economics, like never actually worked. Whoops. We've been doing it for the last four, 40 years. Well, I guess that didn't entirely work. Oh, well, you know, Oh well. Like the research studies are coming out. It was always bullshit the whole time. Yeah. You know? so. so, yeah. So I wanted to just to kind of get, get to this point where we kind of talked about like, this is it's, it's evolution of the self and it's, it's a natural state of being to, to, as we're always talking about, you know, questioning things is part of that, that way of, of saying like, is what I am, is what I'm doing meaningful to me is what I'm doing an expression of my own unique talents in one way, shape or another. And if the answer to those questions is no, then how can I improve upon the ways that I'm doing things or how can I seek help or seek assistance to be able to do it more effectively for myself and my surroundings? Yeah, I think this comes up a little bit in our like Glenn H. Mullen, Lama Glenn episode at a certain mm -hmm. point, if you kind of listen to it, because there's this kind of deep question I think in Buddhist thought, which is how do you, how do you try to like productively change the world around you, help mm. out in the world around you, you know? And there's like multiple levels of talking about that. Um, you know, there's a mystical part that I think it's worthwhile saying in a second or two, you know, and well, you can share your thoughts on that too, Daniel, because I know you have thoughts about it, but like just on a, a more like in the immediate sense, there's the way that if you work on yourself, and your natural behavior, your emotional states, and even kind of just like your, your presence, your state of being, right? Just your chi, your energy, if you want to use that way of talking about in the environment around you has a positive impact on other people. Like that's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. I know that in doing these longer Zen retreats, when this really hit me, how strong this was, um, it was looking at all these people meditating in a room you know, you have like 50, 70 people meditating in a room. Mm -hmm. You start to realize that the collective of all of those people's being, all their energy in that space, in that time is very powerful. Yeah. And you can ride on that. It, we all impact one another. And at a certain point, it gets to be weird because there'll be one person who's in a lot of pain and everyone seems to realize that. Mm -hmm. You just intuitively know that. And mm -hmm. I can remember at some point thinking, okay, I'm not in pain now, but this person is. So let me see. Maybe if I, I had one guy sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. And it was long treat and this shit can get painful. So we're sitting there and we're doing this retreat and like you could, I could almost, I could feel his pain in the way this happens. Right. And I could also like just hear his breathing laboring. So I thought, well, what happens if I just try to calm my breath, like really focus on that and like try to time it up with his breathing. Can I get him to like calm down a little bit, you know, and just, you know, and that works in a, in a weird way. You can support each other in that way subtle ways that you know aren't just like doing a nice thing but just how mm -hmm. you are in the space impacts other people mm -hmm. no then, it, yeah that's it, easy i mean we think of and i've given this example before but it's a good one you know back in the day where we can go visit people's houses 
you know, but you go to, you go to someone's house and there's your friends are already there. Your family members are already there and everyone's laughing. Mm-hmm. You walk in and you're already in a good mood. Even if yeah, you yeah. walk in with a bad mood, you're already feeling the vibes of like, ha what's going on? What's so funny? Like you, people, are, what's so funny, you know? And it's, it, it's a, it's a question. What is so funny? It doesn't matter. People are in an elevated mood. And so that rubs off on you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So this is, it's not far-fetched. This is not a far-fetched thing to think that you improve yourself and then you walk around with that and other people will feel it. Yeah. If you come out of retreat, you're going to affect the people around you. You just do. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have this thing, you just do. Or similarly, if you come home from a long day of work and you're frustrated from being at work and having deadlines and then you're sitting in traffic or on the train forever and you're annoyed, when you come home, that's going to take some time for you to get get through that in order to be with, you know, your loved ones or your dog or your, you know, whatever, your goldfish, you know, and over time, that time period can increase for how long it takes you to get over that or decrease. Yes, I guess it's one of these things where you can look and you can say there's the immediate effect in the immediate environment around you that you can see. Mm -hmm. Then, and this is almost, I think, maybe part of the physics-y part of both you and me, but it's, Mm. you know, part of, you know, Buddhism, Taoism, Kabbalah, all the things we list in the intro to the show that Tony, our reader, reads out so nicely in our Mm -hmm. intro every week, Mm -hmm. shamanic practice. You know, like one of the things that comes up is that since things really are interconnected on more subtle levels, Mm. kind of like the physics idea that everything can be quantum entangled or something right on those levels if you actually change kind of who you are in ways that might be more subtle and um you know not like obvious in your meal environment but just because you're doing this you become something that is in a certain sense entangling with the things around you and also trying to like raise the frequency raise the pitch, raise the, mm-hmm. the, the quality and the dy- dynamism of what's going on just on that kind of mystical level, right? Which might not be that mystical if you get to some quantum mechanics kind of way of understanding. But okay, you know, the basic, the basic position in the Buddhist things is that, you know, things are interconnected in subtle ways. And so when you work on yourself in a certain way, you're improving the universe around you overall. Now, that's a mystical thing. Um, uh, I like the idea of that. I think there's reasons to think that's true. Um, maybe you don't believe that or not if you're listening to this, but maybe just you know give it some thought. And it's certainly part of the idea of how mm-hmm. Buddhism, Taoism, and these other spiritual traditions are supposed to work. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Sometimes they use the metaphor, if you put like a dye into some water, yeah, just a little droplet of dye will change that whole water. It might not take the whole water red or blue or whatever, but it'll spread itself out, mm-hmm. right? Things are interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. In different ways rippling through spontaneously connected you know there's that kind of more mystical side of things which uh you know that's another reason why you evolve yourself you can help the immediate people around it but maybe you maybe you do have that mystical level of affecting things around you which is you know you know one of the hopes of buddhism at least hopes of Taoism, hopes of these practices that when you do that for yourself, when you meditate, the whole world in a certain sense meditates with you. When you meditate in a certain sense, the whole universe meditates with you, that kind of way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with you. Yeah. Well, at least you can do something about that. That's That's empowering. I can remember one of the, and she was a really great Zen practitioner. I think she had started coming 
with her husband and she was so much like she just went banging through this she was answering all those zen riddles like they were nothing she said really just very talented person i think her husband kind of quit because <laughs> he was like uh. so but uh, uh she was just a great zen practitioner and and she was talking about this they let her like give a little lecture to us as students at one point you know she was part of the sangha she wasn't like you know like just part of a community she wasn't like a zen master or something Mm -hmm. And she brought at this point, like she was really concerned, which, which question that comes up, right? Um, I know people have asked the Dalai Lama this kind of a question and things I've seen. Well, I'm working on myself, but how am I like affecting the world around me? Mm. You know? And then she was talking with um, the Zen master, Hosokawa Roshi, that you know, I was studying with at the time. And uh, she shared his response, which was basically what I was just trying to say. That in other ways, things are connected in ways that you don't fully realize. Mm-hmm. And when you work on yourself, you are improving things around you, you know, and it is a Buddhist thing to do. You know, those moments you spend in your private meditation are for you and your development, but they're also in that sense for everyone. So if you want to do it for you, do it for your mom. And if you don't like your, you don't, if you don't like your mom, do it for your dad. And if you don't like him and do it for somebody you do like. Yeah. Yeah. Find somebody you like. Mm -hmm. Find somebody yeah. you like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Awesome. Well, I feel I feel satisfied. Yeah, that seems like that was a good episode. We got to like, uh, it's, it's it was nice. You know, I looked at your outline of it. It's like big picture, but a lot of like nice nice details too. Mm -hmm. Devils in the details, as my mom would say. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Or Allah uh, is in the details. Your mom would right. say that too. Allah. Yeah, that's right. She would say that. Allah. Yeah, she would. Um, any part anywhere? Any uh, he is or she or they? Who yeah. knows? Bipak. <laughs> <laughs> any uh any parting shots from you no nope, i think we i think we got it perfect awesome well uh eric as always thanks for uh for sitting in with me and having these uh fireside chats as we like to call them just now <laughs> we just made that up that's <laughs> never, said, never said that ever <laughs> no one's ever said you're that channeling like the joe biden apparently he's building a fire in the evening you're just being influenced by uncle joe his uncle joe yeah, his meditative sure. times by the fire in the evening are <laughs> affecting our podcast now that's right that's uh, right my uncle joe yeah the log on the fire um but thanks everybody for listening if you like the episode definitely you know give us a like favorite the podcast um you know share with those who you might you know feel would be beneficial from it post it up on all the socials and all that kind of stuff we definitely appreciate uh the feedback if you have any questions or would like us to do any kind of episodes uh, our email is gin and tantra at gmail.com gin and tantra at gmail.com it's also listed on the site on, on the website so you could you know find us there ask us anything uh you know we definitely love the feedback for eric this is daniel thanks for tuning in to gin and tantra we'll catch you in the next one peace